Welcome to the Ministry Story Podcast. Churches have the greatest story on the planet to tell. Let's explore some ways that we can do that with greater effectiveness, impact, and excellence. Welcome to episode number four of the Ministry Story Podcast. Today is Monday, January the 10th, 2011. I am your host, David Tonin. I want to welcome you to the podcast and encourage you to leave a comment at ministrystory.com. We have a very interesting guest on today's episode, so let's get started. So thank you for joining us. Who are you and what is your ministry story? My name is Greg Atkinson. I've been a pastor for 15 years. In the last year and a half, I've been a full-time consultant with churches and nonprofits. Uh, I blog at a blog called gregatkinson.com. And then the consulting that I do with churches, specifically the Secret Shopper Ministry or Mystery Guest Worshipper uh, that I do on weekends at churches can be found at worshipimpressions.com. Great. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're really looking forward to hearing and learning from some of your insights and experience. And what I'm kind of curious about is, can you describe for people who don't totally understand the the mystery uh, worshiper or secret shopper concept, in a nutshell, what is that? Yeah, it's something that happens commercially a lot in the corporate world. Uh, Restaurants, businesses, banks, hotels, they all have their uh, uh, mystery guests, secret shoppers, and... um, Several years ago, um, Christians started doing it for churches, and the Wall Street Journal has picked it up and has written about it, and um, it's got some press and some coverage that there are people that that go around and visit churches and do the same kind of secret shopper experience. And so I heard about it uh, a couple years ago. I was no longer full-time on a church staff, so I was freed up on Sundays and able to travel, and I just thought it would be a good experience. And so basically I fly in on a Saturday visit the church on Sunday, fly out Sunday afternoon, go home, work on a report, put it together, and then do a conference call with the church leadership team on Tuesday and go over my findings and report and evaluation with them and give them feedback on what they can do to improve. Wow. And and is there a lot of demand for that? There is. There is. Um, there's a lot of churches that, um, you know, just due to the economy, say we would love to bring you in, but we can't afford it right now. And maybe next year, or we'll look at next year's budget. But, um, but a lot of churches that have brought me in, and so, um, uh, yeah, that's great. And, what, and I think the reason why it is great is because one of the things that you even have said earlier when we were talking is that churches get blind to their environment. Right. And and so describe how that happens and why that happens, and then how you shed a light on. Well, you know, I wrote an article a while back, and I talked about us having the hallways of our house painted. We had some professional painters come in and paint the hallways of our house. And uh, we were in the house for a long time and uh, didn't notice the smell anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it was uh, oil, paint, and very strong smell. And uh, our noses just got used to it. And then I went outside to get the mail. And I walked to the mailbox. And I got our mail and I walked back in. And the whiff just hit me just mm-hmm. as soon as I walked in the door. This strong, overpowering smell of paint hit me. And... Uh, it just made me think, you know, uh, that that had been there all along, but I'd just grown used to That's it, right. and I didn't recognize it anymore. And so often in our churches, there are things that an outside guest, like a secret shopper, can notice right off the bat. Uh, when I come visit somebody's church, I'll notice and think, I wonder why they do that. And I'll mention it to them, and they say, you know what, we just ha- we don't even think about that anymore. We've just had that there for years, and 
we don't even notice it anymore. And so after a while, you do become blind to your environment. That's right. And it's great that you can shed a light on that. And w- one of the things that um, you had said earlier today was um, the whole concept of defining the front door of your church. So tell me what people usually think the front door of their church is and what you perceive as the front door of the church. Yeah, it's interesting. I taught a workshop today, and I asked people what the front door of the church was, and a lady started describing the front door of her church, talking about the window pane and the glass and the doorknob, and thought I was talking about the physical front door. The front door of the church begins online, uh, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or a blog or your church website. The first the front door is, uh, to me, refers to the online strategy that your church has. And so people are going to visit your church website before they ever visit your physical campus. That's right. And I've, often, I've said over the last year a number of times to pastors that um, the front door of your church being the website or the web presence is something sp- that you need to specifically gear for the visitor or for the guest. And for your regular attender, the person who comes to your church for weeks and years and months, um, they're, they're really coming in the side door or the back door. They don't need the front door. The front page of the website is not intended for them. Right. And so um, in your assessment, when you start to look at the front door of a church, what is the order of things that you're um, – you, you had three of them specifically this morning that you talked about. What are, what are the top three things? Um, well, I talked about three things that I look for when I do a secret shopper visit. Is That's that, right. that yeah, what you mean? Yeah. Okay. The, the big three would be um, first impressions, uh, children's, and security. And um, those are the big three things that I look for when right. I do a secret shopper visit. Right. And then in, in the first impressions, under the front door, you were referring to the Facebook mobile and the website. Oh, so, right. So, so right. talk a little bit about those three and why in that order specifically. Because I was quite intrigued by the fact that the website wasn't the first thing necessarily – Right. Um, uh, it is for many churches that don't have these other things in place. But why, why have you ordered them in the order of Facebook first, mobile second, and the website itself, number three? Yes, it's, uh, it's actually a strategy I picked up from LifeChurch.tv, where Craig Rochelle is pastor in uh, Oklahoma. And he, uh, their uh, Digerati team and their online community team came up with this strategy of Facebook first, mobile second, and church website third. And I just thought it was a genius strategy, and I thought it made a lot of sense because if I'm a lost person, uh, there's much more chance of me stumbling across your church via Facebook than me actually searching for your church's website Mm. because if I'm lost, I have no need to search for a church website. But I am on Facebook, and I'm active on Facebook, and somebody could invite me to something or like something or share something. And I could find, stumble across you on Facebook. And then mobile is second because it's huge. Um, there's 1.5 billion people that have access to, uh, to uh, email on the Internet. And then there's 4.5 billion people that have mobile phones. Mm. And so it's just a much larger um, uh, target, much larger audience of people. 4.5 billion out of the 7 billion on Earth have mobile phones. And so... Um, we really try to reach people through mobile means and having a mobile website and a mobile presence. 
And then third is is very important, and that is the church website, because eventually all those are going to lead to the church website and for people to check out your website and that front door and find out more about your church. That's right. And I think the mobile thing is lost on a lot of people because they don't realize the scope that you've just pointed out, which is essentially that as the proliferation of these smartphones, uh, there's a lot of people that have just cell phones, but more, right. every, anybody who gets a new cell phone today, it's always a smartphone. Right. It's always web-enabled, and that's, all, that's just going to continue to grow, and um, that number's just going to become even bigger and bigger to the point where um, I forget. I think you even had a number, but I can't remember what it was. That by twenty five billion by twenty thirteen. Yeah, and that's only two years down the two, basically two years down the road. So, right. you know, I think churches need to take some time to reflect on how people will be using a mobile device to access the core content of their of their church information, which is essentially where are you and when when should I show up, right? Right. So that's that that that's important. Um, talk a little bit about. Um, Another thing that you brought up this morning was the whole concept of the smell of the church. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, our sense of smell is our most powerful sense. I talked about how um, I could be somewhere and a woman walked by and I get a whiff of her perfume and it automatically transports me back to my third grade math teacher Mm -hmm. or to the first date ever went on. I mean, the sense of smell is so powerful. Uh, Department stores and businesses have spent millions of dollars studying the sense of smell and when you shop in a mall and walk through a department store, there are machines up in the, in the corners of the, of the building that are pumping out pleasant smells uh, into the air that put people in a good mood, make them want to linger longer and spend more money and shop, shop longer. And so um, if department stores can put a lot of effort and time and money into selling a product or a service, um, we should we should put a lot of uh, intentional strategy and effort into the smell of our environments uh, as far as reaching people for Christ. And so, uh, I talked about um, you know a positive smell would be coffee, a negative smell would be mold, a positive smell would be citrus or fruit, fruity smell, uh, a negative smell would be bleach. And so, just knowing does your ch- church smell uh, moldy or or like bleach? Is it too clean, too sterile? Does it smell like a hospital? Does it smell like a funeral home? Being aware of that and then trying to counter that with a fruity or citrus smell or a coffee smell um, goes a long way because a lot of times people will leave a church frustrated or upset or in a bad mood or having a negative experience. They can't place their finger on what it is and they're not exactly sure why. And oftentimes it goes back to the sense of smell. That's right. And it's important not to to uh, forget about the importance of the smells, if you were, in the washrooms or in the conditions of the washrooms. That's right. That's right. In, uh, uh, in the restrooms or washrooms, um, you, can, uh, you can have some very negative smells, and um, um, you have to work extra hard to make sure that those are clean and prepared and, and ready for people. Um, a lot of times people may have a nice, pleasing smell when you walk into the church of coffee because they're serving coffee. But then when you get to the restrooms or the washrooms, they are, um, they're a negative experience. And so you have to be very mindful of those as well. That's right. And uh, so your second thing after first impressions really was um, that the children's um, 
side of things. And uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I kind of want to mix it together, the conversation about children and security. And you used a phrase that I think every church should start to use when they have a situation that they need to confront someone who's in a place that possibly shouldn't be there or looks out of place. Um, to talk about the, the importance of the may I help you and how, yes. how, how that is so important. Uh, oftentimes you'll find somebody wandering somewhere where they shouldn't go or uh, they they're look suspicious or they're walking around the children's facility or the nursery or they're going down halls they shouldn't go. And a simple phrase that all um, volunteers and staff can say to somebody looking at um, um, doing something that he shouldn't do, uh, just that simple deterrent of may I help you can um, uh, turn that person away where he'll say, uh, no, no, thanks. I'm just looking around or, or mm-hmm. which way is the worship center and he'll go walking back out. And so just come up with a simple phrase of may I help you can really do a lot of good. Excellent. Now let's look at the church bulletin. Um, what is the biggest mistake that churches typically make with regard to their bulletin? I think putting too much information in it. Uh, I'm a big fan of less is more. And so um, too much too much information, leaving out uh, a communication card, some kind of response care communication mm-hmm. card uh, is huge, or a perforated uh, part that people tear off and put in an offering plate. Um, having some kind of way to to communicate with people and communicate needs or prayer requests or that they made a decision. And then also being sure to... Um, Point people back to the website you want to have in your bulletin uh, for more information and events or happenings go to www and then point them to the web that's right um, the other critical piece that I think churches miss in the first impression side of of uh, for a visitor is the whole parking lot and greeters scenario just give a snapshot on why that's so important yeah, uh, after you get past the virtual front door of the online presence, Facebook, mobile, and website, you actually um, drive up and you visit the physical campus, and that starts with the parking lot. And so driving into the parking lot of a church, I like to see people out in the parking lot um, wearing some kind of designated shirt or vest uh, to let them know that they're a parking lot attendant and that they're waving and smiling and happy and directing traffic. And when you get out of your car to say, good morning, you know, how are you doing, and that goes all the way up to the front door when you walk uh, for somebody to hold the door open for you. Be standing outside the church door and say, good morning, welcome to our church, mm-hmm. whatever the name is. Welcome to Grace. Welcome to, um, you know, whatever your church's name is to be able to um, be that first impression that people come in contact with. And you need to put your, your best and brightest and sharpest and friendliest people in those positions in the parking lot and in the greeters um, an information booth. Um, they need to be as friendly as possible. That's right. And I think creativity helps too. Like something that our church greeting team implemented last year was on rainy days, um, they have a couple people that have umbrellas and they go out and they meet people in the parking lot and walk them into, now we're not a mega church, so, you know, we don't need, you know, hundreds of people doing this, but we just have a couple people with with the umbrellas, and they greet them, walk them in, keep them dry, and that makes a huge impression on a visitor the first time because they absolutely remember that and can't get over that a church would actually do that for them. Yeah, that's great. Um, One of your mentors uh, gave you a piece of advice about the importance of the pastor and the leadership team connecting 
both before and after the service. You want to share a little bit? bit sure. About that? Uh, when I was early in ministry, um, in my early twenties, I I used to run around uh, before the service and was always in a rush, always in a hurry, always late, always um, needing to get somewhere really quick. And uh, he just simply pulled me aside and said, walk slowly through the pews and said it was something somebody told him years ago and something that he tells others. And he just told me the simple advice of walk slowly through the pews. And so that requires on my part uh, a sense of preparation and that I've got everything taken care of. I've got my act together and that um, everything's set and ready to go and we're ready to roll. And that way I can walk slowly through Mm. the pews. I can take time to shake hands and greet people. And if somebody stops me and says, hey, do you have a second? I'm not in a rush. I'm not having to get anywhere. And I can stop and talk to them and um, and give them my full attention. Hmm. And that connects a little bit, too, with your whole concept of the importance of the sense of touch. You want to elaborate a little bit on how the two combine and how you can um, make a positive first impression with a guest through touch? Yeah, the sense of touch is huge. I read about that in a book called Experience or Worship by Bob Ronglian. He has a chapter dedicated to the sense of touch and really opened my eyes to how important it is when we do our little meet and greet time and say turn and greet your neighbor and turn around and shake somebody's hand next to you. What an important time in the church service that is. And you have some people that have gone an entire week or longer without ever coming in contact with another physical human being. And uh, I've had times where I've hugged somebody and seen big tears come up in their eyes Mm. just because they're so overwhelmed by the sense of touch. And so it's something that we don't need to take for granted. And pastors need to be available to shake hands and hug people and lay hands on people and pray with people. Um, It's very, very important. Great. And then sort of to wrap it up, you've finished your your talk this morning with the concept of finishing strong. Yes, uh, uh, greeters and first impressions, people that are uh, functioning in the role of a greeter, usher, or parking lot attendant, uh, they don't just welcome you and greet you when you arrive. They should also send you off when you leave. And so I like to see greeters um, stationed at the exit doors as you're leaving a church that say, goodbye, have a nice week. And then when you're walking through the parking lot back to your car to have a parking lot attendant say, thanks for coming, see you later, and to fi- what I call finish strong. Hmm. That's powerful. Um, So the ultimate question that you're trying to answer when you visit a church and you do the secret shopper experience is what? Say that one more time. What what, what is the ultimate question you're trying to to answer at the end of the secret shopper experience? Yes. Uh, the, The last question I have on my report is would I return? Would I come back for a second visit? And uh, believe it or not, you know, I have told churches, no, you know, no, I would not return to your church. I've told it to one church, maybe uh, it's kind of, you know, it's maybe because they did something that kind of redeemed themselves. They sent out a, uh, a letter that I received in the mail afterwards thanking uh, my family for coming and thanking my children. There was a letter from the children's pastor addressed to our kids and labeled to our kids they got a letter in the mail uh, thanking them for coming and inviting them to come back, which we thought was very impressive, which we thought was very impressive. And we um, uh, that was kind of a redeeming factor for us. So I said maybe to them. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the big question is, would I return? Would I come back for a second visit? 
Right. And I think that's often lost on pastors and on leadership teams is they don't realize why people show up once and then don't come back. And, um, and I think it's, a, it's sort of a checkpoint. It's, 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 a, it's a good evaluation thing. And sometimes the light that you can shed on that um, with regard to all of the aspects that you assess in the, in the shopping experience, if you would, um, will help. What, what, what is the response that you get from most pastors and churches you do this for? Are they really receptive to it? Because I think a lot of the things that you're going to uncover that are negatives, if you will, are things that are deeply ingrained in their culture or history. Yeah, you would think that. Most, though, uh, absolutely love the experience. I, I've, uh, you know, if you go to my website, uh, worshipimpressions.com, you can read through the endorsements from pastors, and uh, they absolutely love the experience. They talk about how I saw things that they've missed or that they've grown accustomed to mm. or that you know, I leave no rock unturned. You know, mm. they, they really appreciate the fact that, uh, that I bring things to their attention that they've grown accustomed to. And so... Um, Every now and then there's some pushback every now and then there's but we you know we we do this for a reason or, or you know there's a reason why we always do this but uh, for most for the most part it's a very positive experience they appreciate the feedback and they they like to hear an outsider's perspective hmm. well thanks for what you do thanks for the light that you're shining thanks for the the passion that you have for the local church um, where if people are interested where are the touch points for you online uh, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Greg Atkinson. You can follow my daily blog, gregatkinson.com, and then our secret shopper service where I go out and do secret shopper visits for churches is worshipimpressions.com. Thanks for taking the time today. We really appreciate your insights. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's Ministry Story Podcast. Feel free to post any comments you may have on ministrystory.com. Our podcast theme song is Could This Be the End of the Hiding by The Contact, who can be found at thecontactmusic.com. Please join us every Monday for another inspirational conversation designed to increase ministry effectiveness as we share the greatest story ever told. Down and